This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery, so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything. From which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello and welcome to the Stacey West podcast, episode number 275. That big 300 is turning up very, very quickly. You might be thinking, well, hang on a minute, that doesn't sound like Gary. No, it doesn't. Thank God. Luckily, I also don't sound like Ben or Chris. No, my name is Charlie Mason. I'm your host for today because joining me is Mr. Chris Lamming. How are we doing, sir? I'm all right, mate. I'm all right, thank you. I've got a week off, so this is uh, a pleasant, a pleasant experience after a very busy January. And I treated myself to a, a toy, a new toy. Um, I got a new beard trimmer. It's not that exciting. My my other one dies, and I used it for the first time this morning. And I put the setting on clearly far too short, and I don't like it. I don't like it at all. My beard is mere stubble, and I'm not a fan. Mm. It, it is a little bit short, actually, isn't it? It is. Yeah. 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 I know. I know. Obviously, you from being a a seasoned beard veteran will will be able well, to judge mine quite quite a lot. But yeah, um, mm. uh, it, it was good. It's a good product. Just cut it off too much, so I need to change the setting next time. So yeah, apart from that, my week has been um, very relaxing. How are you? Oh. Good. Yeah, very well. Slightly, slightly less relaxing. I'll be honest. For the record, I, I do also need a bit of a shave, but you know. I've started getting my first hairs on my chinny chin chin. <laughs> so soon enough. Uh, now, uh, yeah, really, really good week, but very, very long. Obviously, Sunday night, um, I, I mean, a lot of you fans will probably start tutting as soon as I say it, but it was the Super Bowl on Sunday night. And although I'm not really that into uh, NFL, it's the occasion. So I ended up sort of staying up and watching the Super Bowl. So that was like not getting to sleep till about half four, five o'clock Monday morning. Um, and then... Tuesday night, obviously, away down in Charlton. That was a bloody late night. I think I ended up not getting back into the flat until about half past two on Wednesday morning, not being able to get to sleep till about half four on Wednesday morning because somebody else couldn't get back to Lincoln, so they had to come back to Nottingham, stay at mine for a couple of hours and then get the first train back to Lincoln. It was just one of those mad days. I also decided I wasn't drinking at uh, at the midweek game because I'm kind of trying to just cut down because of the run. Yes, I know, we run. Um, And uh, I got into the pub in Charlton just to go meet up with a couple of people and within five minutes I'd already had one pint and two Jaeger bombs. So the whole (laughs) night took a turn from there. Well, that went well. That went well, well didn't it? My goodness me. Whereabouts were you watching the game from on Tuesday night? Then, uh, my sofa. I had it on iFollow. Um, nice. Tell you what I did, though, before we get onto the game. Mm. I don't know um, how many people here are into golf. Um, we were discussing... I went for a round of golf on Monday with my mate Dave. Dave. Dave's name is mentioned quite a bit on this podcast as a friend of mine on Gaz. Um, I haven't been golfing since the summer. So went here. Two two stories here. Number one about other sports. So I was just a general mm. chit chat around uh, around the golf course. 
talking about what other sports that we watch. And uh, Dave was, oh, into the darts, maps, and into this, that, and the other. And I just watch football and nothing else. I don't have an interest in any other sport in terms of actually watching it. I enjoy playing golf, but I don't enjoy doing anything else. We went to play Blankney, which is very nice. Um, but they gave us these little mats, which I'd never seen before. I've been playing golf for quite a long time. Not well, not well at all, but I've been trying to play golf for a good few years. So what you had to do, because it's a little bit wet underfoot, is wherever your ball landed, you pick your ball up, put this little, basically bit of AstroTurf on the floor, and hit it off that. It was weird. I don't know if I liked it or not, but it was it was definitely, definitely strange. Definitely strange. But yeah, no no sports for me, other than football. Do you like watch any other sports other than American football because of the occasion? Um, I, I am a big F1 fan. So when that uh, when that season is going, I often like to sit down on a Sunday afternoon and, and watch that. Um, but outside of that, no, like you say, it's the the occasions and I, I easily get sort of sucked in with it. For example, the darts. Uh, I, along with so many other people, ended up kind of watching the World Championships this year because, uh, again, it was sort of this occasion that was kind of sweeping through. And it's it's one of those where it's like if everybody else is talking about it and I'm not doing it, it's like, I'll watch it because why not? Uh, but then on the flip side of that, I don't do that with football because I don't typically watch your, your Champions League football and things like that that people will be sat there talking about. I sometimes have to like shoehorn Lincoln into the conversation or make a comparison <laughs> yeah, with same. Lincoln just to like feel to... part of the conversation. Yeah, yeah. I like to think I know quite a lot about League One and and yeah. you know more obscure leagues. I don't have a, a clue what's happening in the Premier League. No. But as you said, one thing we definitely do know or like to think we have a bit of an idea about is what's happening in League One. And on Tuesday night, we face Charlton Athletic at the Valley. So, throws the first talking point about this was, of course, the lineup. We were without. Ethan Hamilton, of course, still injured. And Conor McGrandors was unavailable due to being on loan from Charlton, which meant we lined up with a midfield three of Ethan Arahan in the six with um, Ted Bishop and Danny Manjoy playing in a, in a deeper kind of eight role um, with a back three of Mitchell O'Connor and Rowan. Of course, Adam Jackson missing out as well due to his broken nose and a front two of a returning Freddie Draper. Joe Taylor with Ben House on the bench. Thoughts? Now, as soon as this team came out, again, I, I was sort of stood there in the pub and we were having a conversation about, well, a, a couple of minutes before quarter to uh, seven, we were sort of discussing, okay, who's going to be in, who's going to be out? And it kind of felt like we were back in the middle of winter again, back sort of before Blackpool game where we were trying to discuss what players we had available. It wasn't quite as bad as that. As that, Of course it wasn't. But Adam Jackson being out, we effectively then knew what our back, what the, what the two centre-backs or three centre-backs that we were going to be playing were in Alex Mitchell and Pordy. It was the midfield and the strikers that I think were sort of the biggest talking points with this one. Now, I'll go to the strikers first. Freddie Draper and um, Joe Taylor starting... Freddie, I think Gary put it in his post-match write-up that it seemed as though we were kind of in a place where we had two strikers that were both half fit that couldn't play 90 minutes and we somehow managed to nurse them through this midweek game, being Freddie Draper and Ben House. And to be fair, this midweek game probably fell at the exact wrong time for us for, for a sort of a few different reasons, but the fact that, like I say, we've got these two strikers that are both good enough to be starting for Lincoln City, I think you said it at the weekend, Chris, and I agreed that Freddie Draper and Ben House would probably be our starting duo going forward if both fully fit and all of that. Um, but we couldn't really play them both, seemingly, and I, I don't even know whether Freddie was fully ready to be starting, but we'll, we'll go into that in a little bit. Then it was the midfield. Like you say, Ethan Aaron, he, we already know that he, he starts whenever he's fit. There's just no conversation about that. And uh, Ted Bishop and Danny Mandroyu, it's obviously something that Gary's mentioned quite a lot on the podcast that he isn't necessarily a fan of because they're both great players, but there isn't really room in the squad for them both or in the, the starting 11 for them both. I disagreed at times, and especially actually on Saturday. On Saturday, I mentioned in the in our group chat about half time. when Rico was struggling a little bit in the first half, um, and I said, oh, do you know what? I'd quite happily like to see Danny Mandroyu coming on with a Ted Bishop because I th that felt what we missed on Saturday was just that final ball, that little bit of technical spark. 
And I think having both of them together for the second half would have helped. Obviously, we didn't go that way. Still worked out anyway, so that was fine. Of Tuesday night, it really didn't suit them both playing together. I felt we lost a good bit of midfield stability, but I also was half expecting to lose that, not having Ethan Hamilton or, or Conor McGrandles. I guess, what's, what's your thoughts on that then, Chris? Um, yeah, I don't think it worked too well, to be honest, on, on Tuesday. The, the dynamic wasn't quite there, which is to be expected. Danny Montreux hasn't played as a number eight very often. I'm <laughs> um, looking at the lineup again. We have we have this kind of hybrid where sometimes we're a four, sometimes we're a three. Um, we were definitely three five two for the majority of the game. And, and whenever you think of that kind of four four two, three five two, or whatever formation that you discuss, um, that is more often than not a team's out of possession shape, generally speaking. So, so what shape are you kind of defending in? Um, and I, I felt by looking at the lineup and thinking what gives us the most balance that we were probably going to be a four-four-two with Mandrew on the right. I think that mm. maybe gives him less defensive responsibility, particularly when you've got someone as capable defensively as Lass behind him. Um, but it wasn't that at all. It wasn't that at all. It was very much a, a definite back three slash five with Rico and Lass as wing backs, Ethan sitting in front of the back three, and then um, two eights ahead of them in Ted. And Danny, I don't think Danny Mandrew had a poor game, by the way. I just don't feel like he, he suits that eight role yet. Um, there was quite a few times in the game where the decisions he made on the ball, was, it, was, it was creative. He was trying to make something happen, but arguably in the wrong part of the pitch. You know, playing in that 10 role, you're 30, 40 yards higher up the pitch and you try those things. Absolutely. Well, well worth doing it, trying to unlock a defence. Sometimes when you need a little bit more security, um, I think it kind of cheaply gave the ball away at times, not by misplacing passes, but by trying things maybe in the wrong parts of the pitch. And I think that just it just disjointed a little bit. And we, we found it difficult for the whole game, pretty much, particularly in the second half, to get a real foothold and some sustained possession. Um, I'm not saying it's just because of Danny Mundrew. I'm saying it's because of the midfield dynamic that has definitely shifted um, because of the, the changes that we were required on Tuesday. And, and that kind of meant that, that Charlton, I'd say, started the game better than we did. I think they, they came out reasonably quickly we struggled to get any sort of sustained possession it was quite a attritional first 15 20 minutes or so would you agree yeah it was i think it was quite a, a sort of difficult start uh, i think it was actually quite a difficult game full stop and i very much sort of echo the points on that midfield dynamic not working as well as what we'd have hoped is probably the biggest reason for that because our midfielders, no matter what's been going on in terms of Lincoln City so far this season, maybe a lack of attacking capability, maybe being slightly weak at set pieces, whatever kind of flaws you can pick out from Lincoln at different points throughout the first half of this season, one thing that is, you've never been able to say is there's been an issue with our midfield. Because Ethan Hamilton and Ethan Aaron, and we even saw it with Conor McGrandles, I know it was only his first start on Saturday back for us, but we didn't miss Ethan Hamilton because Conor McGrandles was able to slot into that role really well. We lost that composure in the midfield uh, on Tuesday night because those players weren't available. And like I say, it was one of those where it's kind of to be expected. It's fine. It's not an issue, but it would potentially be a little bit obviously worrying in the future if we weren't able to kind of build into that. Although, saying that, Conor McGrandles isn't injured. He was only out for this one game, one that we already knew he was going to be out for. Skibala mentioned it in the pre-match press conference saying, we knew this was going to happen. It's fine. It's just a shame that it's happened at the same time that Ethan Hamilton is, is unavailable as well. Um, but, you know, obviously we'll have to very much wait and see. But yeah, the first sort of half an hour specifically, I think it was quite kind of difficult for us to massively get a foot. I think there were times where we did for very short periods, but it wasn't sustained long enough during the, um, like I said, that first half and hour, really up until up until the goal. Like I said, I, I'd actually say it from the whole of the first, uh, well, from the whole game full stop, but especially up until the goal. But they never really managed to get a massive foothold in the game either. There was quite a lot of sort of back and forth, a little bit stop-starty at times, nowhere near like uh, Burton, of course, but just as a blooming fire engine or something starts driving past. I don't know if you can hear that. Um, yeah, it was a it was a really difficult, difficult game against, or like I say, up until the goal specifically, against an opposition that definitely didn't play like they were down in 20th place. No, not at all. Um, 
we did this in the preview actually on on Sunday me and Gaz it was really difficult to talk about this in terms of predicting <laughs> because Charlton have got a squad capable of finishing the top six um <laughs> they've got Nathan Jones now in charge who is a you know, say what you like about him kind of personally in terms of his personality as a manager he's got a good track record at this level it's a real coup getting him in um, they've got really good players they've signed nine players in January to add to that good squad they already had they, they, they had no right being down in, in 20th position in the table but what they looked like is a team that was short of confidence and mm. you know we, we know what that feels like because I think we, we would probably had an element of that in this season as well maybe not quite as desperate as Charlton looked at times um, but in that first half, I felt like our midfield dynamic meant that we were off it a little bit in terms of sustained possession. Mm-hmm. Charlton's on-ball play was erratic at times, but you could see that they had some individual quality in the team, definitely. Um, the first real chance, though, came to us, um, Teddy Bishop hitting wide after a cross from last Sorensen, but it was created from a mistake from Charlton rather than a piece of sustained possession, as we mentioned, you know, who's a George Dobson, who's a player I really like actually plays. Mm. It's interesting because he's a player that was at Sunderland previously at Walsall, but uh, was mm-hmm. a, a you know big, big name player at this level was a big signing for Charlton. And he is a good player in league one. There's no denying that he plays in the same role as Ethan Arahan. But I tell you what, I'd rather have Ethan Arahan any day of the week in my, in my oh, absolutely. Um, but he, uh, he was good for the majority of the game, but he misplaced the backwards header. Don't know what he was trying to do. Actually last first to it, clever kind of reverse cross and, and Ted hits it just wide, which I think is actually a really good chance. I think it's a really, really good chance. Um, one of only four shots we had in the whole game. So, um, but that was it really in terms of real, real clear cut chances until our goal, which was definitely not a clear cut chance. Um, but it was a chance that was once again taken by Rico Hackett. He is on fire at the moment, isn't he? He, he absolutely is. You know, you say it's, it wasn't a clear cut chance, but for me, Whenever at the minute Rico Hackett is getting that ball in the final third, everything seems to be a clear-cut chance because he's able to turn chances from from nothing. We saw it against Burton. The Burton goal was not in any way a clear-cut chance, but he still managed to create something out of it. And there's there's a question as to whether or not he'd have even hit the shot when he did, or have even scored the goal when he when he did against Charlton if he wasn't in this kind of little bit of great form that we're seeing and having that confidence. Now, I don't think obviously confidence, we haven't seen that be an issue for, for Rico so far this season, because whenever he's been fit, he's been one of the better players on the pitch, undoubtedly. But it was really nice to kind of see, see him take that shot when he did and really take that opportunity. And look, he's, he's going to get a few more goals this season. He could quite easily finish as our top goal scorer, if you like, this season, to be honest. There's, you know, it's not exactly massive amounts of competition for it at the minute in terms of when you're looking at the uh, at the stats on that one. But no, really pleasing to see him get the goal. I'm really pleased to see us get the goal as well because, as much as I, it was like I say, it was really really weird because you're down at the valley. It's this massive stadium against a massive both team and club in Charlton. You know, not just the team big on paper, so are the club. And you're one. We're one nil down. We're one nil up. Sorry, on this little unbeaten run that we're on. We're looking really good as a whole over these last few games. Struggled a little bit on, like I say, in that first half of Tuesday night specifically, but was still able to get a goal. There was kind of that weird level of relief. Like, okay, things aren't going perfectly for us this game, and it, all you have to do is look at the lineup. Some of the players have missing and all that, but we've still got some real quality in, in depth in this squad. And it was kind of, like I said, really relieving to see us pick up that first goal. And then my mind immediately went to, okay, are we going to be able to, to hold on? Because on the one hand, yes, Charlton were creating chances and they were looking good, but their first half specifically reminded me a lot of us against Wickham, where we had this sort of new look, team as, as we did when we travelled down to Wickham last month, you know, as Charlton slightly have now with a new manager having come in and had a little bit more time on the training field, for example. <laughs> but whatever it was that they were doing just wasn't quite sticking. Like against Wickham, Ethan Arahan said it in his post-match press conference that day that some of the passes we were making just weren't quite the right passes. We'll get there. It's just about sort of having to be patient with it, not get frustrated at ourselves. And it kind of reminded me very similarly to that. From, from their side of it. And obviously we were able to capitalise on that in the first half. 
Then it was half time. Again, you know, your mind starts sort of thinking. I go out and, okay, maybe I had another pint at half time. Um, and we go into the second half, and they've got a point to prove, haven't they, Chris? They have. Um, and they came out well in the second half. They were, mm. no denying it, they were the better team in the second half. Um, before, just quickly on Rico's goal, just a real nice mm. moment for him um, against his former club as well. Yes. Uh, that'll always mean a lot because the club that released him and sort of all mm. Um, yeah, I think they released him and he ended up going back from back into non-league, proved himself there and then obviously come back up again. So that must mean quite a lot to him. Uh, but yeah, second half. Well, just quickly in terms of XG, everyone's favourite. What was we? 18, 19 minutes into the podcast since we haven't mentioned uh, XG yet. must be a so, record with you. Yeah, yeah, it must be. <laughs> um, so our XG for the first half, 0.26. Charlton's was uh, 0.34. So it should have been nil-nil at halftime. We just took one of those half chances um, that we created from, from Rico and, and of course goals do change games George Tain goals change mentality and, and and kind of impetus in games but when you take it, it it's great but did we deserve honestly to be 1-0 up at half time nah probably not probably not it was put in 0-0 but then when you are 1-0 up at half time it gives you something to hold on to but it also means that Charlton have to then come out and, and, and really try and um, kind of imprint themselves on the game and there's no denying that they were far better in the second half than they were in the first. Um, do you want to know what RXG was for the second half? Go on, enlighten me, because I do not know this stat, even though you just told me off camera. <laughs> <laughs> it was surprising, <laughs> because it's it's zero. But we had a shot, and that shot, I seem to think, was Danny Mondrew's free kick that hit the, cro- hit the post. Um, yet that's got a zero... XG, which I don't think it has. There might be a little bit of a, an error in some reporting here, but um, obviously we didn't have a shot on target in the second half at all. We only got we had on target. Shot on target, we ate. Put your teeth in, Chris. The only shot we had on target or game was the goal. Um, Charlton, despite a bit more territory, quite a bit more possession in the second half, only actually had eight shots in the whole game, only four on target. And uh, there was a few... Nervy moments, I suppose, in the second half from our perspective defensively, but nothing that was really kind of having my heart in my mouth as such. We weren't really, I never really felt pinned in, even though we didn't have a huge amount of possession, we didn't have a huge amount of attacking output. And it's not like we were, they were kind of laying siege on our goal. Like you mentioned the Wickham game for us when we were, when we were there trying to get back in the game, that last half an hour, we were relentless and, and were mm. really laying siege onto Wickham's goal. They couldn't get out. At no point did I feel we, we couldn't deal with the threat. Um, it just wasn't sticking up sticking up top. Um, but ultimately, they, they did get their goal. It was a really good strike, by the way. Really, really good strike. And I think the substitutions are an important point here. Because you mentioned, obviously, Charlton's struggles this season in terms of their, their recent run. But we also mentioned their squad. And they were able to bring on Chucks and AK and Freddie Ladapo. And Freddie Ladapo, of course, was part of the... Ipswich team that won that got promoted last season. So he's he's a great starting for them to be able to bring in. There's not many teams that find themselves down in 20th in League One that would be able to attract the likes of Freddie Ladapo. Uh, with a couple of minutes, he scored a goal. Um, but yeah, that was on 71 minutes. Now on 57 minutes, we um, brought Jack Morgan on for Danny Mandroyu. Um, so we then had a midfield, a central midfielder of Jack, Jack Morgan, Ted Bishop, who not long later was replaced by Dylan Duffy. So we had a, a midfield of two eights of Dylan Duffy and Jack Morden, so a winger and an, a number yeah. and a forward playing in centre mid, whereas Charlton were able to bring on Chucks and AK and Freddie Ladapo um, to really add some a real dynamic to their, their front line. And it was good. Um, within a few seconds, Chucks and AK was putting his body about. And then, of course, Ladapo scored a genuinely good goal. Um, again, XG attached to that's quite low, just a really well-taken strike. And one all, and I think you go... Fair dues. From that point, my mentality was then just, I'll take a point. I'd have taken a point before the game. Mm. Let's just hang on now. And uh, thankfully we did. Um, but primarily down to one, well, not just one person, but one person I think deserves a bit of credit is um, Mr. Lucas Jensen. He he does, because I thought he was fantastic all game. But, I mean, Chris, that goal, could he not have stood a little bit further? Could his positioning not have been a little bit better, a little bit more to... Sorry, he was a little bit too far to the left of his sort of central goal line. I really don't think there? so. I personally think it's a it's a really, really, really good strike. Um, mm-hmm. There was a lot of players around him, 
I think he's in a half decent position. I think it's a good strike. And I think for Mark Howan to even marginally mention it on the commentary <laughs> to then make this a talking point, I think it's disgraceful. He, should, don't, he shouldn't criticise it for that. I thought it was a great strike. Cut at the striker. No, it's, nothing wrong with his positioning there. Um, the, 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 the striker's quite wide in, in, in any in any um, any case. But I thought that Jensen was great. We had a couple of really good saves, um, but his command of his area was was really, really good. So he was claiming crosses, some really, really brave punches as well to take take the danger away. Because they mm. did put some some balls in the box, they did add some pressure without creating m- massive kind of clear-cut opportunities. They did um, certainly up the pressure towards the end of the game. And I think Lucas Jensen had a had a big part to play in, yeah, in, in seeing this over the line to get what I think is a decent point overall. For the record, I do agree with you. It's just <laughs> dangling that little that little bait down in front of you. I, I thought could be rather entertaining because I, I knew you wouldn't uh, be criticising him for, for that goal, and as he shouldn't for the record, because I think it was a great strike. And I think criticising the goalkeeper is actually taking away from the striker in that scenario. Um, look, the game, we, we all said we'd have taken a point at 7.45. I think that's fair. I think the draw was actually the fair result. Now, someone who has a slight disagreement with that, although has kind of been really, what's the word I'm sort of looking for, kind of like really relaxed and not sort of trying to, for example, take the bait and start calling things cup finals, um, was Nathan Jones. He said, look, Lincoln are in really good form. They're well-coached, well-drilled, aggressive. They've got threats. A real positive that he's kind of saying that about us. Then he goes, but look, we were better tonight. Now, I don't think that's actually that out there. I think it's reasonable enough to say that they were the slightly better side. Uh, they said, you know, he, said, he specifically pointed out the second half. He said, look, we were outstanding. I want us to play front-footed, be aggressive, athletic, try to create chances, try to take the game to the opposition. And we did that in the second half. I, I, like I said, I think that's really fair enough. Nathan Jones is someone who, I think especially for his time at Southampton, got a little bit of bad press for some of the things that he was saying in the media after matches. I mean, one of them saying that he was st- statistically the best manager in Europe. You know, it's just, you're, you're looking for kind of sound bites to get taken out of context. But I don't think that's what he's done here at all. I think he's praised us. He's also praised his own side, said that they were probably the slightly better team. Uh, it was a real balanced post-match press conference. And yeah, quite refreshing considering some of the ones that you get in this division, hey? Indeed. Yes, indeed. And some of the ones that he's he's done in recent yeah. times, as, as you mentioned as well. But yeah, you can't argue with that. Charlton were the better team second half. There's no denying that. Um, they deserve their goal. They deserve their point. I think a point's a fair result. Um and we, and we move on. Just quickly before we finish up on Charlton, now, uh, there's a big difference here in regards to Fleetwood. Now, we explain the reasons why, and I think the midfield dynamic is that. And, of course, the opposition is that as well. There's, you know, Charlton, despite league position, have got um, some really good footballers, significantly better footballers than Fleetwood Town have. And um, against Fleetwood, our passing accuracy was was 81% over the 90 minutes. This was only 65. It was actually under 60% in the second half, for just the first time this season. Um so our, our passing accuracy was was poor. We only played 71 accurate passes in the second half. Uh, we only even attempted 119. So that's significantly lower than, than what we've been able to do. We just couldn't get going in that regard. And, and you've got to credit Charlton in some regard because it, it didn't give a chance to play. But I think sometimes we, our passing just wasn't, wasn't great. And we were forced to go along at times as well, which, of course, has a lower percentage chance of it being successful. So, yeah, I think it's obvious where it went wrong. If you can call it wrong, if you, you know, it's nice, isn't it, to be able to call a point away at Charlton going wrong. Uh, so, but in terms of what can we improve on, I think it's just getting getting that pattern back with our with our passing and that midfield dynamic, and we'll be absolutely fine. Um, it did make a difference. I think the fact that Charlton grew into the game um, made a difference as well. But but on the whole, I'm I'm pretty happy with the point, and we can take it into Exeter now with a chance of of another three. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we like you said, we've already pointed it out a few times today. We kind of know what the issues were, midfield dynamic and, and kind of missing that sort of composure that we've had for most of the season in the middle of the park. Uh, it obviously did affect us. Them coming into the game, yes. Obviously, they were allowed to come into the game, which I think may not have been so easy if it wasn't for sort of th- that kind of midfield dynamic not quite working as what we'd maybe hoped. 
But look, at the end of the day, it's a point away at Charlton. It keeps the unbeaten run going. It was another goal scored. Okay, yes, one conceded, but we still managed to get another goal. Uh, still only conceding one. You know, it's been a while now since we've conceded two in a game. In fact, New Year's Day, I believe, was the last time we conceded two in a game. So I think a lot of that in terms of the overall picture of where we are, we are still on the up. Um, I think anybody at half time that was maybe looking at playoffs may have just been a, a little bit sort of you know overestimating what we can maybe do for the second half of this season but look we're looking like we're going to be in a real good battle for that kind of mid-table uh, I've said it on this podcast before I'll say it again for me all I wanted was to better last season which meant finishing in 10th place with a positive goal difference I think we've got a really good opportunity to do that uh, so on that I'm, I'm very, really really happy and something else that I'm quite pleased with Chris now, you may have seen this uh, go out on the the blog site this morning, but last week I got the chance to sit down with Solihull Moore CEO Mark Palmer for an extended interview on one of his um, new projects, uh, which, again, that I'll, I'll be totally plugging that as well uh, next time I'm on the podcast as well because I think I'll be expecting to get that out this weekend. Um but basically, one of the things that I also wanted to ask whilst I was there was obviously about Jay Ben. But I, I wanted to do it from two sides because we can quite easily talk about how Jay Ben's been doing in terms of on the pitch performance. You can actually look at his his stats and that he's had a really good, especially when he first came in. He really hit the ground running at Solihull Moors. Uh, he's had a couple of injuries that have set him back. But I also wanted to ask what the relationship had been like between the two football clubs. I think that's something that's often sort of forgotten about. We we often talk about when we're bringing a player in. I remember it being um, Arsenal. A few years back, there was a big thing. Like when we played them in the FA Cup and, and things like this, it was like, oh, well, we've got a good relationship potentially with Arsenal now. We're going to be able to get some good young players in. And don't get wrong. We have had a couple of good young players in from Arsenal. But building those relationships and looking like the good club is also beneficial from when we're sending players out on loan. Now, one of the things that I sort of specifically asked, asked Mark was, like I said, very much, what's the relationship been like? What, how have Lincoln, have Lincoln impressed you with how they've handled the loan or, or, or even not? Because I'll be honest, I've heard stories from people that we've had on loan at the club that their parent clubs have effectively forgotten about them. But Mark effectively said, we've been really impressed with the support the player has received because with the injuries he has had, they've really helped out with the medical side of that. Okay, yes, he is one of Lincoln's players and it is in their interest, but not every club does it. We would hope that there would be a further relationship with Lincoln. We could be a good outlet for the club to give their young lads minutes and I could only see it flourishing. So there's a real kind of positive with that. I will just add as well, I didn't put it in the article, but uh, I brought that up to Jez George in the fans forum as well, basically saying this this club have kind of praised you. What, what are the sort of things that we do right? And I think the fans forum clips may now be out on YouTube or, or I'm not sure, but he basically sort of responded with, well, it, it's the simple things. It's keeping in constant contact with the player. It's going to watch them. It's if we're there to watch them, not leaving 15 minutes early to beat the traffic, but instead staying around 15 minutes afterwards to sit and have a conversation with Jay and, and all of this sort of thing. And then he came up to me afterwards and actually say sort of, you know, how humbling and nice it was to hear that another club are sort of praising, well, obviously him and the rest of Lincoln staff when they don't have to, but it's positive to know and, you know, it's reaffirming things that we hoped anyway, isn't it, Chris, that things are good, things are good in terms of the things that we do. We always do things right, apparently, but it's nice to hear some of the specifics on that, isn't it? Yeah, reaffirming is a, a real good word, I think. And, and that, that's a really good point you make is that, you know, we hear a lot from other clubs whenever they're kind of asked, you know, Kieran Maguire or Corso, other experts that say, mm. You know, Lincoln are in the good books. Basically, they're, they're a club that you kind of aspire to be like. And yeah, it's, it's nice to get a specific or two. And say, well, you know, what are we? What are we actually doing? Which is different to other clubs. So I always go back to that evening we had with with, with Jez when he explained the um, the transfer, like the summer transfer window to us, and he specifically um, showed the process of signing a player in terms of how would they make first contact, what sort of stuff do they do to, to find out about them, what do they present to the player, and it was all reasonably simple and obvious i thought reasonably obvious things for example this is lincoln this is what lincoln city is this is what we stand for 
this is where you're going to be living, for example, but also this is what we've seen in you. So clips from you, this is the part of your game that you, that you like and you can fit in this role. It seems pretty joined up and simple, but it's also pretty obvious that so many football clubs just don't do that. Um, so I think it's doing the simple things well, isn't it? Like you said, like just it's nothing groundbreaking here, but it's just being, for want of a better word, just good eggs, isn't it? Uh, and and being being honest and and be, and being um, professional, I suppose. Um, we've been we are smart as well in lots of other things that we do in terms of the kind of the, the more personable side of things. I think we just we just treat people properly, and that's that's something that just sits really well with me. And it's great to see that, that Jay's doing so well. It's also great that the you know that the um, a director at, at Solihull thinks that there could be a potential future relationship because mm. what we're starting to see now is relationships at various levels now for, for loans. Yeah. We've got Ireland, we've got the National League North with Peterborough Sports. Um, obviously, we've had a couple in, in League Two. If we can have one in, in the National League as well, like a club that we just you know almost have that kind of direct link with, then you've almost got a conveyor belt then for different loans for different players at different parts of their development. And that's that's perfect. It's not a multi-club model by any means. I absolutely despise multi-club models that are all under one ownership. But having positive relationships with other clubs that's mutually beneficial for all parties, win-win. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, and I definitely think it's one that we could use in the future. And who knows? Hopefully, because they are currently sat in the playoffs, there is a very good chance that they could even find themselves as a lead-two outfit next season if things go well. And it'd be nice that uh, Jay Ben could have been such a such a big part of that, especially if he stays fit for the second half of the season. And how often do we say that as Lincoln fans, eh? About most of our players at some point. So look, we'll take a very quick ad break. Well, hopefully an ad break. I know there's been issues with the adverts, but there'll be something that you'll be listening to in a minute. Maybe just a player talking. But we will speak to you in a minute. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery, so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything. From which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. I'm Lucas Jensen and you're listening to Stacey West Podcast. Yeah, it's so much easier to be playing a player's sort of little soundbite there when we've been praising them on the podcast, isn't it, Chris? It doesn't feel uh, at all. Yeah. Um, so, hopefully, our great Dane in goal can have another great game this weekend as we host Exeter. Um, Chris, pretty – it's not a big game, but we've kind of spoken at length at this month about the fact that Port Vale away and Charlton away were two that we were kind of willing to drop points in as long as we were able to pick up those home victories. So it kind of is quite big that we can get back to winning ways this weekend, isn't it? Yeah, it's not essential, but I think it's a real big opportunity for us to for us to get back to winning ways. I think everyone at the football club, supporters and and um, inside the club, are really confident of a really positive end to the season. And we mentioned this in our monthly show um, in terms of look previewing February saying this is a real big opportunity for us here to really kick on and um, I predicted 12 points for, for February and we're already seven points after just three games but three more games remaining we're really on track for that you know ultimately if you win your home games and you draw your away games that's that's promotion form now we're not saying we're going to get promoted of course um, but you want to be going into the end of the season in that sort of form um, and then you can kick on next season really well it gives us a good a good chance to have a, a positive summer it gives us a good chance to leave the finish the season on a high 
of course, it's only February, so it's a long way from the end of the season. But it's just, good, it's just another opportunity against a team that I think will be a decent test, but a team that I think we've got we've got the tools to to get the better of here. Um, Exeter are strange, though, Charlie. They're really strange because they are currently thirteenth um, in the league. Mm-hmm. We're of course eleventh. They're three points behind us. They have played a game more. They've got a minus 21 goal difference. <laughs> they've only scored 25 goals this season and they've conceded 46. Uh, we have, by the way, are plus two with 34 and 32, um, which is baffling because they are, they've won four of the last six games. They've picked up 20 points in their last 12 games, which is 1.66 points per game. Carry that on for a whole season. You finish seventh uh, if it's last season's table on 76 points. Prior to that, though, they were, didn't have a win. In 13, only picking up three solitary draws in that run of 13 games as well. And the underlying numbers haven't changed significantly. Not over a bit, but not significantly throughout that last 25 games or so. It's it's a bit odd. It's a bit odd for a club to be uh, scoring so little, conceding so many, yet still picking up plenty of points. So it's it's so difficult to work out what on earth they're going to be like because um, they're on good form. Um, but they they just lost three 0 to Derby most recently. They then um, game before that beat Wigan two one. Um, previous to that, they won a cup final against um, uh, Peter United. Beat uh, me to it. I can't help myself. It'll be every, it'll be every game this season that Peter Brewer yeah. mentioned in. Um, and then they beat uh, Bristol. Uh, lost to Bristol Rovers. Beat Barnsley. Then they beat Bristol Rovers um, in the last six games. So they're on they're on good form. They're on good form, and bar but bar um, Peterborough, they're they're beating teams that you kind of think are, are kind of down there that you maybe would expect a team that's in mid table to beat them in terms of pure league position. Um, it's just yeah, there's there's a lot going on here uh, in terms of underlying numbers. So I don't know where to start. So I'm going to let you talk for a bit while I compose myself and find a little bit of a of a kind of. Uh, a narrative here because they're quite difficult to predict at the moment, Exeter, despite being on a good run. Well, let me take the the simpletons narrative when you're just looking at this at face value because Exeter, they are very, very strange. Nothing to do with the football, just Exeter in general is very, very strange. But they had a really, really poor... Well, no, no. Okay, they had a really good start to the season, then had a really poor middle of the season, and they're now starting to pick it up again, which, like you say, is a little bit weird. Um, in terms of their their recent form, I was actually very surprised to see that they'd crept up to 13th place. In yeah, the me league. too. Um, it had been like a couple of weeks since I've properly looked up and down the League One table, uh, and it was for... Again, it was for an article and I was just kind of looking and hang on a minute I actually had to go and double check that I wasn't on the wrong league table like I wasn't on the next G table or something daft like that um, but bear in mind they are only f- four points above what 19th so four wins in their last six can very quickly elevate a team's position in, in this league because it, it is quite sort of a close mid table there's only sort of eight points between 10th and 19th. So like I say, it is reasonably close in that. But they have picked up. Obviously, like I say, beating Peterborough, beating Barnsley, beating Wigan, beating Bristol Rovers in those sort of last six matches. They're impressive. Impressive victories. Obviously, losing against Derby is a real shame. And actually losing against Bristol Rovers, that's quite a funny one because they played them twice in the space of two weeks. One of them being a 1-0 away victory. The other one being a 1-0 home loss, which is uh, always a little bit sort of funny with that one. But like I said, they're a team that are clearly struggling to score. But bear in mind, one of those, one of the three points that they picked up in that sort of 15-game run that they had or whatever it was without a victory was against us when it was a one-all draw at their place. And they impressed me on that day as well, because I thought even though we were able to get sort of the first goal and look 
good reasonably early on. They they came out fighting and they really looked like they were potentially going to be able to get the get the victory against us on that day. And um, they were one of those sides that a little bit like, for example, Reading when we played them at home, they really impressed me, even though it was only a draw. And I thought their league position was worse than what it could and should be. Same with Northampton as well. Like very early on in the season when we drew two all at their place, they were a side that really really impressed me. And I'm obviously now starting to get the league position that I think they very much deserve in that. And Exeter are a little bit the same, but obviously you've said that there's not too much change in terms of the underlying numbers. And, and there is that. They are starting to pick up a few more goals, getting two goals in a few of the games recently, something that they've struggled to do for the majority of the season, really. But that's very much changed since well, since New Year's Day, really, where they picked up two goals in a loss against Reading. I believe that was one of the only games all season, well, since their sort of start of the season run had kind of finished where they've picked up two goals again so they're clearly able to kind of improve on on that front I also think and this may sound a little bit daft but I think the best sort of change that they made was not making a massive change in not sacking Eric Holbrook and that for me is the big thing last season in the Premier League and I know some people are Premier League fans some aren't and all this but last season the Premier League I was really pleased because I, I hate Managers being sacked stupidly and too quickly in this kind of this new era of football that we seem to have, where if a manager has five or six poor games, they're suddenly on the chopping block. And I hate it. So the Premier League last season, when the three teams that went down, all teams that had changed their managers, I was really pleased. When the likes of West Ham stayed up with David Moyes, Forrest with Steve Cooper, that sort of thing, it, it kind of it made me that kind of smug smile. Like, Do you know what? Good on you. Good on you. And this is the same thing with Exeter. They were sticking with Gary Caldwell and not making a major, stupid, quick reactionary change is the best thing. Is the best change they could have made. Yeah, it's smart because we mentioned in terms of the discrepancy in their goal scoring and their goal conceding, but actually the everyone's favourite thing xG. But the underlying numbers that actually show how is how is the team performing over a long stretch. So we actually had a, a quick discussion off air about xG, didn't we? Because of course we did. Mm. Um, but both you we and are I very very interesting people. Yes. Yeah, of course. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we were saying that xG over a long period of time is actually quite a good representation of of overall performance in an individual game. It's not brilliant in an individual chance. It's definitely not brilliant. But over a, a stretch of games, it can be really helpful and really useful. Now. Um, Exeter have only scored 25 goals this season, but according to their XG, they should have scored 40. So, they, yeah, they're, they're hugely underachieving in regards to that. So their chance creation is good. It's pretty pretty decent, but it's just, it's just conversion. Um, so from a Gary Caldwell's perspective, he'll obviously know this. The, all the analysts at the club will know this. It's kind of pretty obvious, you know, we're on the right path here. Mm. It's just it's just putting the ball in the net. It sounds obviously that's the hardest thing to do in football, um, but you're doing every other step up to that last point of putting the ball in the net. On the whole, pretty well at a kind of mid-table level. Um, this is a time where they were sliding down the table, um, and I think it was probably easier to not pull the trigger because of the underlying numbers and also the fact that they had that positive start to the season, which meant they never actually really got dragged directly into the relegation zone. I don't think not quite, um, but so many clubs would have sacked their manager um, with, with picking up just three points in 13 games. And it's credit to Exeter, who are, are a really well-run club, by the way. Really well-run club. One of the, one of the other good ones. Um, they're often up there when they're compared with us, aren't they? Um, well-run, have a good youth system, got a, a few youth players in their team that are making their first team appearances. There's actually quite a lot of similarities between us and Exeter, I think. If anything, there might be one or two years behind us in terms of our development. Um, but generally speaking, I, I don't dislike Exeter, despite what happened in the playoff semi-final a few years ago. Uh, but yeah, I think credit to them for, for the for the board for sticking with Gary Caldwell and then the, the results, of course, have have come. Um, they still haven't been relentless in goal scoring, but they've obviously been getting on the right side of results recently, which is something that they weren't doing previously. So um, they're a decent team, basically, is what we're saying. It's two mid-table sides playing against each other. Um, but we're a decent team. We're a decent team as well. Um, one little, two, two little, little things here. I think they're quite left-side dominant in terms of their attack mm-hmm. because um, Wildshirt, who generally plays left-wing for them or on the or left-forward for them, um, is 15th in the league for touches in the box. For someone who is not a forward, um, he's also played wing-back at various times this season. That's that's quite high. Um, we haven't got a single player in on Scout in that top 
20. I don't think I'll make them. I don't think it's top 30 in the league. So, so that's interesting. And also, their left back slash left wing back, Vincent Harper, who they signed from Eastleigh, is the most fouled player in the league. <laughs> It's, wow. it's, it's interesting, isn't it? When you know, I, I look at all these for every pod that we do, and there's so many metrics that are just m- mid-table <laughs> for everything. <laughs> that I'm picking up someone that's most fouled or someone that's fifteenth for touches in the boxes. And there's no real standouts here, um, apart from, of course, being the most fouled player in the league and being a left back slash left wing back. Um, but they're, 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 I think they're pretty sound. They're pretty solid um, on the whole. It's going to be an interesting game. It's going to be a tight game, I think, this one. Mm. Uh, most most fouled in the league, by the way, is is actually a metric I, I quite enjoy when I hear a stat about most foul because that, to me, says that somebody's got some real pace and power driving forward to the point where defenders literally have to stop them with a foul. So I, mm-hmm. I love a sort of most foul thing. It's, like, it's one of the things, for example, with Jack Grealish, when he got his move up the leagues and such and obviously did so well in the championship and moved from Villa to um, Man City. One of his big thing was constantly being fouled just outside of the area because defenders just didn't really know how to stop them. And, you know, that's one of the stats that I I very much love. Um, Yeah, it's going to be a tight game. I'm looking forward to it. I, uh, I'm not actually going. This is going to be the first home game that I missed. I know since, do you know what? Since my very first night at university, uh, the Tuesday night one-all draw against Rotherham at home a few seasons back was the last uh, home match I I missed. Um, but no, I'm down in I'm down in London and then flying out to Gibraltar Sunday morning to go watch some football instead over there. So um, yeah, but I will be watching um, from. We'll go with from Gibraltar on Saturday at three o'clock. Um, I will be. I will be to pay my iFollow fee and watching and watching that match. Um, so I, I'm kind of intrigued on two points: a to be able to kind of watch the game on iFollow because it'll be the first match I've watched on iFollow since that night as well. Actually, kind of see how that view is, if you like, and also hear what the commentary is like because it quite often gets slated uh, from different areas of the fan base and in certain group chats that I'm in. Um, so I'm very much kind of looking forward to hearing what the uh, Yes, yeah, so actually hearing what's that, what that's like. Uh, but, yeah, going to be a tight game. Looking forward to it. Think, I think we're going to be able to get a goal. I can't guarantee we're going to be able to keep a clean sheet. So, on that then, Chris, I'm going to predict it as a 2-1 home victory. What's yours? Oh, similar. Similar. I, mm. I I think we'll win. Of course, mm. I'm a Lincoln fan. Of course, I think we're going to win. Um I think we can keep a clean sheet. I think we'll keep a clean mm-hmm. sheet. I think we'll win to nil. I think we'll win to nil. A couple of things that do stand out here uh, in terms of underlying numbers again is that they have the 20, so the second worst um, success rate for winning aerial duels. Not aerial duels, sorry, defensive duels. Um, oh, okay. Whereas we're third best for that. Mm. So I think in terms of basically that's those 50-50 battles in the box, basically tackles, headers, just any sort of duel where two players are coming together and contesting a ball. Um, they're the second worst team in the league for that. And we're the third best. Um, so hoping that an element of that, plus a returning Conor McGrandles and potentially a returning Ethan Hamilton will have a big impact in terms of that midfield balance. Yeah, I'm going to go for a, a one or two nil victory for us. Um, but I think it will be the sort of game where we maybe score late-ish. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to be the sort of game where we're going to be kind of piling on pressure. It's not going to be a game like Fleetwood where we were, despite being 1-0 down at halftime, we actually dominated for the full 90 minutes in yeah. terms of the overall play. Um, I can't see that happening. Um, next to we've got some really good footballers. They're, they're a good solid league one side. Um, but we're at home and we're on good form, mm-hmm. unbeaten in six. So yep. there's no reason in my, in my estimations why we can't go on and and get another one, but I don't think it's going to be straightforward as it was against, well, it wasn't straightforward against Fleetwood, but it kind of, in terms of performance-wise, it, 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 yeah. it was a matter of time, in my opinion, rather than if we were going to um, score and win. Whereas for Exeter, I think it would be um, a reasonably evenly matched game, to be honest. And it'd be really interesting, actually, because my other half is coming to this game. This is her first oh, wow. Lincoln game that she's coming to since Wembley. Um, she's only been to four, I think, or five. So the last one was Wembley. We went to Burnley together. It was really, that was weird because we were um, in Manchester the Friday night 
anyway, had it booked months in advance. And then we just so happened to get drawn to mm. Burnley and we genuinely got the very last two tickets available for it. Um, so that was great. Uh, prior to that, she came in the promotion from the National League season against Chester at home a Tuesday night. Um, and then before that, when we first started going out, um, Steph used to live near Central Bank, so I used to park my car at hers and then walk to the football, um, which was a great setup. And once she was like, can I come? So she did. And it's the game that we lost through in the home to, I think it was Bromley. It was horrible, cold weather, freezing cold, raining, just a miserable day, about 2,000 people there. And she says, you do this for fun? Like, yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah. <laughs> Things have changed a little bit since then, haven't they? Yeah, but this is going to be her first ever League One fixture. This is, this is coming along to, we're at a gig in the evening, so it made sense for her to come along and the seat next to me is free. So so that'll be interesting, yeah. To, um, and a little bit of a side note, I know we've got something else to talk about yet, but this is, mm, I think this is quite yeah. funny. So it's amazing how much of a small world it is. So um, so I sit, I sit in the carpet stand, block four, one row from the top, um, pretty much on the halfway line. And uh, directly behind me, and I didn't know these people because I've been there three years now. I've had these seats for three seasons. And directly behind me is a chap who it turns out is is one of our, our patrons. And his wife, Katie, works with my partner, Steph. <laughs> and she sometimes comes, to, and, she, and Katie sometimes comes to the games as well. Um, and, and I've been, apparently, I've been mentioned at school once or twice that um, for having a potty mouth uh, at the referee and various things <laughs> now and then. <laughs> So I'm going to have to be on best behaviour this Saturday. Yeah, but you're not going to be on best behaviour, though, are you? Steph's known me a long time. She's known me a long time. She knows what I'm like. Uh, do you know, on on the like potty mouths at football, I remember being at uh, Bristol Rovers away a couple of seasons back. It was the uh, it was the six three, and uh, so it was only God, it was only last season. And my my mum and my dad. I mean, my dad goes to the football, all the home games, uh, but we went down there for the weekend so my mum decided to come to the game she's I don't think she's ever actually been or she's only been to since about once uh so but this was like one of those away games where she decided to come along for the actual match and she ended up leaving at half time and going and sitting in the car in the car park because she was a little bit sick of everybody and okay yes you can include me in that calling Joey Barton a certain W word. Well, he deserves it. <laughs> exactly, this, exactly. You see, I already knew what was coming down the line with all of this stuff that he's been talking recently. So uh, it was it was absolutely fine. Uh, but look, if you guys would like to be at Central Bank next season and maybe bringing your partners along, one of the good, best ways to be doing that is, of course, picking up. That sounded, that sounded less of a segue, more of an advert, actually, for the season memberships, which have been... That was, uh, I was so impressed with that morning. but it's not the Stacey West <laughs> podcast unless we reference doing exactly. a good segue so Charlie that exactly. was superb exactly excellently oh, thank done you. thank you sir um, thank you sir uh, carry on with your sales pitch <laughs> yes yeah, so uh, the season memberships are out now I believe I think they uh, actually went on sale first thing this morning at roughly a five percent price increase I know that'll be the big thing that's sort of spoken about but there are also some really good offers I saw that the club are doing as well for example 140 pounds in the real max stand to sort of mark the anniversary of the 140th season there's also a new John O'Gaunt membership scheme that they're doing as well that's a little bit more expensive at 320 pound on top of your traditional season ticket membership uh, but yeah it's, it's kind of good to have these and i think the early window is open until the 2nd of april if i remember correctly from what Liam was telling us in the last fab meeting wasn't it chris but yeah reasonably happy with the them being out and the numbers on on them yes yeah absolutely a couple of points really firstly in that yeah price has gone up a very small amount for it to be sub 400 quid in this day and age, I think is still really good value for, for League One football. And also, um, most people who are renewing their season ticket will have um, a little bit of money in your Imps rewards that you can put towards yes. it to get the price down. Um, so I, I actually spent most of mine on my uh, West Ham ticket uh, <laughs> uh, earlier in the season. But um, Joe, who I sit next to, he he renewed literally today. He texted me earlier um, and he put, I think it was 25 quid he had in the in there in his um, imps rewards just just from his season ticket from last for, for this season um so basically yes it's 399 but you could get 25 quid off that and just put it towards the season ticket and then as soon as you pay it you get another 25 plus quid in there um for this getting this season ticket as well so the imps reward scheme is great i think i mentioned this on sunday because i didn't or i didn't I'd, I'd to my detriment quite clearly hadn't really checked it out um mm. 
and it's great. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, you'll be able to to get that off. So yeah, firstly, don't don't forget that. Don't forget to check how much you got in your Imps rewards before you before you renew, and then of course go ahead and renew as soon as you're able to to get in for next season. And yeah, the Real Max stand, 140 places available for a 140 pounds adult season ticket, which works at a, what six pounds something a, a game, which isn't fabulous, fabulous deal. Um, so that that'd be great if anyone is able to do that or wants to take advantage of that. I'd highly recommend it. Um, but yeah, it's just good. It, it comes around really quickly every year, doesn't it? But it's interesting because, like you said, for any lingering doubts that that we had that we were going to be a League One team next season. And I don't think we're going to go down. I don't think any of us realistic thought was in a relegation battle. There were a few people, I think, that were um, maybe had half an eye on, oh, we could be that team that has that late playoff push. And I'll be honest, deep down, I thought we could we could be. Not for a second that I thought we were going to be. But I thought, oh, we, you never know. We might sneak in. Um, I think for most sane people, um, we're all going to know definitely now, 13 points off the playoffs. We ain't going to be a playoff chasing team this season. Um, so I'm kind of already looking forward to next season anyway, mentally. Jen, like you want to have, enjoy every game this season. Mm. Want to, want, obviously, they, they all mean something, but they don't mean quite as much when you know you're not going to go down, you know you're not going to go up. You can start to kind of um, play with a bit more freedom, probably, but also start to plan a little bit more for next season as well. So, yeah, it's interesting. Like mentally, I'm starting to think about genuinely getting quite excited about next season for us. I think if we can keep injuries reasonably um, minimal mm. then I think even with the squad we've currently got we've got a, a real good chance of a, a, a real good season next season and there's no doubt we're going to add to it in the summer so it's interesting that season memberships have come out now just as probably most of us are just starting to think about the club next season um, yeah. rather than just paying for next season before well we've still got this season to worry about I feel like this season's not not been and done obviously there's loads of football to be played yet but yeah, it kind of in terms of like what we're going to be achieving, I think we know that you know a, a top half finish is is achievable, and that's what we're aiming for. But you know, is there really that much difference between finishing eighth and fifteenth? Not really. No, not not in terms of well, not in terms of what league we're going to be in next season. At the end of the day, like you say, uh, and I just want to echo the points on the rewards for fair imps um, sort of membership scheme. Uh, from what I can gather even if you haven't actually gone on and signed on to the website yet, you will still get the points sort of backdated from your season ticket purchase, for example, for, from what, for this season that you would have done last year as well, if you if, if that. So there's great opportunities to have a lot of money on that. I think I, I spend some of mine on away tickets so far this season. So basically towards the end of my student loan running out, I've sometimes used that to buy some away tickets, but also because when you um, buy away tickets, you also get more points added on to your thing. I think I've had, if I hadn't spent anything, I'd have had about £75 in there to go wow. towards this season ticket membership. So That's there great. is, yeah, there's, there is uh, definitely some real good money in there to, that you might be able to take off your season ticket memberships. Absolutely. So yeah, get them renewed if you would like. And something else that is coming up for the end of the season is Imptoons Yearbook. Now, I, I am aware that uh, Chris from Imptoons was down at the EPC this morning, joining the players for their breakfast and trying to get them to sign as many season cards, uh, sort of player cards and yearbooks as possible. And I believe they're going out on sale very, very soon. So keep a real close eye on that. The work that Chris does in terms of, you know, all of his all of his uh, drawings and Imptoons cartoons is absolutely fantastic and uh, definitely one that if you don't follow him on socials, do, because that's, you know, your best place to be finding out uh, if slash when uh, some of his products go out on sale. And yeah, I'll definitely be wanting to pick up a couple of, uh, a couple of mine this year. I picked. I did uh, got one of his drawings this year that he did of Central Bank for for my dad because we're hoping to kind of put it up in sort of the shed when my dad wants to make it a more of a man cave. Although he always speaks about it, it's been about ten years and yet still it's the same crap all it always has been. Uh, so yeah, definitely, obviously, go and check all of them out because they are fantastic, aren't they, Chris? Yes, yeah, it's brilliant, absolutely brilliant. I don't know how he thinks of more. I really don't. The, the match by match, um, mm. just a, a little image that can depict the whole story of a game is 
Yes, genius. Absolutely genius. I love it. I love it. I haven't ever got one and I feel awful for it. I'm not allowed to buy any more memorabilia until <laughs> we move house. Um, I haven't got any space um, at all. So as soon as as soon as soon we, we can upsize, I'll be backdating um, my imptings and, uh, and getting up with that but yeah i'm just i'm not allowed to purchase any <laughs> memorabilia of any sort um because i haven't got any room to put it but if yeah, you have got room small small yearbooks and small player cards you can always get some of the smaller bits so i'm sure if you could take steph on saturday maybe get a little bit more convinced yeah no. i'm sure i'm sure she'll be worn over <laughs> i'm a charming guy you know who could say no mm, ex- exactly exactly so <laughs> <laughs> no so honestly uh like I said, get, get yourselves checking them out, get yourself checking the season memberships out, get yourself down to the Exeter game on Saturday. Uh, lots of really exciting stuff that we have spoken about this week. Lots of exciting chatter about the Charlton game as well. Well, I mean, you can decide whether or not it was exciting, but we found it exciting. I certainly find it exciting talking to Chris regularly. And uh, I look forward to next time. I believe it's you on the podcast this weekend as well, if I'm not mistaken, with Gary. So enjoy, enjoy the game. And everyone else, enjoy listening to that. Thank you so much for listening to this. This has been the Stacey West Podcast, episode 275. Up the imps. Up the imps. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute and all your mates around watching the imps on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share boxes on the go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, but then you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.